All right. You guys alive tonight? Andrea is very much alive. Um, before I get into what I'm going to talk about tonight, this, this occurred to me. I haven't preached a sermon on this, but I've been thinking about this for probably the last three or four months. I've, I've watched uh, in my last ten years of pastoring, I've, I've watched people go through ups and downs. I've watched people who struggle with some of the same things you know, over and over again. And as we're sitting there talking about disappointment, this, this phrase that the Lord gave to me came to my mind. And so I, this is not like vetted or thought out, but I've, I've, been think, or I've been thinking about it, but not in the sense of like a sermon. Um, the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, um, he said, my desire is not the suppression of evil. My, de- my desire is the deliverance from evil. I think some of the times what we learn in life Whenever we've battled something like disappointment or we've battled like maybe some sin that's come back around or just some negative emotion that just constantly seems to come back up to us is what, what we learn is uh, coping skills. We learn things that help us mitigate and deal. And the gospel is not something that's like there's all this stuff in us and God's like trying to keep it all down. He's not standing there like, okay, let's just, we could just hold it down with Jordan long enough. You'll get through this. Now, Actually, the way that God has designed is for, for all, that's, all that's within us, both good and bad, to come out towards Him. And, and He can deal with it. And so... If, 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 we'll say for disappointment specifically, if you feel like disappointment is just like a merry-go-round, um, that's like, uh, it's not the Disney World merry-go-round where you wait in a two-hour line and then have a two-minute merry-go-round. It's the no line and I have a forever merry-go-round. <laughs> if you feel like that disappointment has hit you that way, I think that maybe like God is asking you to rethink how you're approaching this issue. Um, He does not want to give you skills and tools to cope. He wants to deliver you. And a lot of what we get in life is skills to cope. It's not even like, I think sometimes God uses those things for a season, but they're not the things that are going to deliver you. Jesus delivers you. And it's not by pushing it down, it's by bringing it up. Amen? Sermon sometime later this year. Um, so tonight is Vision Sunday. I really hate the title, Vision Sunday. That's the only way I know how to call it. What? Oh, it's take it off. <laughs> no, it's nobody else's fault. I called it that. <laughs> I 
You guys are taunting me back there. I don't know what else to call it. So we call it that. Kind of gets remotely the idea across. Um, but, okay, I'll leave that for later. Um, we are going to talk about some vision things tonight. Before I do that, I didn't, you know, this is kind of weird. I didn't, uh, normally for like an important night where I have information to communicate to you, I have a stack of notes. And I felt like the Lord was like, no, I just want you to talk from your heart. So, uh, before I say anything, it was really on my heart to tell you this. I want you guys to know that getting to stand here with you and to be your friends, be your pastor, is a great, great, great privilege. It's a great privilege. And I really treasure it. I treasure the opportunity to have a role in this community of leading and to benefit from the amazing lives that are in this room. And so I just want to say to you guys, thank you for having always gone on the journey with us. You're, you're a gift. I've uh, been given a really amazing family. Uh, my, my parents, my siblings, um, and my wife, amazing gift, kids. And obviously the Lord is the greatest gift to us. Um, and I, But I would say outside of those core things, um, this community has been the greatest gift that God has given us. And I just want you guys to know that. I could not in a, in a, a, t- a lifetime or in ten lifetimes of sermons be able, or in coffee talks, whatever, ever be able to, and I don't mean this just like, I really mean this. I could not ever be able to give back what the gift this community has been to us. And so I just, I just want you guys to know that. Man, it is so, this whole last year, I can't tell you how many times I have been grateful for the people that make up ClearPath. Um, a couple years ago, uh, it's been some years now, I, pastoring this church and the wear and tear that comes from, you know, just from doing that, I, st- I started to treat what I'm doing as a burden. And I want to apologize for that. This is not a burden. This is a gift. And when you treat something as a burden, when you treat the gifts and the treasures that God has given you as a burden, they don't fill you with fulfillment but they rob you of life. I realized in thinking this through that one of the um, one of the most maybe the most significant way that we are good stewards is not in our activity, but it's in our posture. When we treat the gifts that God gives us as gifts, we're good stewards. 
when we treat the gifts that God gives us as our burdens, we miss the point. How many of us do this in all of life? We look at our life and we go, man. And there are great burdens in the process. Don't get me wrong. Like, you live any length of time and you'll find out you're going to bump up into some suffering. But if we, can, if we can find a way in our hearts to see what God's given us as a gift, then it will, it will over time reveal deeper and deeper fulfillment. I'm going to talk about this later, but Deuteronomy 30, it talks about how the commandment of God is not hard. It's not way out in the sky or across an ocean that you've got to go find it. It's right here. It's near you. You do not need to go find something to have fulfillment. All we have to do is is to recognize that He is a loving Father who is giving and has given us great gifts that He's called us to steward with thanksgiving. And some of those gifts are even the, the pain and suffering. Amen? I, I think that one of the easiest ways to end disappointment is to enter into thanksgiving. And one of the things I've realized about thanksgiving is that you can you can try to thank God for all the things that are perceived that are like obviously good, right? And God, thank you that I have an amazing wife. She's obviously good to me. Like God, thank you for this or that, whatever it is, the things that are obvious blessing. But when we do that, we really, really do relegate God to only be working in the obviously good. And so it's integral, it's essential in our faith that we offer Him thanksgiving even for the things that aren't obviously good. It's not like you've got to list over, your, get over here, here's all the positives that I can be thankful for to outweigh the negatives you're not thankful for. I think it's... Um, those that live in the deepest hope and joy are those who can look at all of life and say, thank you, God. Amen? Um, in reflecting upon how grateful I am of this church, I realize that there really is like a family here. I would, I would use the term covenant family. And this, like, you can't just create that. You can't say, we have a value of family, and instantly you're family. Right? You could talk about something being a value, but over time, it's not something it's like, oh, okay, yes, we want family, we got family, you know? It's something that as you lean into something over time, you experience its fruit. And so for me, um, 
I look around me and I see, I see family. And in, in covenant family, that means there has to be giving and receiving. Right? If, if I am here to give to you and go receive from somewhere else, I, let me just tell you, this is like a little bit of like a pet peeve. I've said this before. But I will go to these pastors' meetings. And they'll talk about, this is the safe place where you can share all the stuff that you struggle with. And this is like, I'm like, I don't know any of you. I see you people once a year. Like, and so I, I realized that how a lot of these leaders, they, they'll like, they, they get to their pastor's retreat and they're like, all right, now I can be who I am. Then I'm like, I got no reps with the people in this room. The people I have reps with are in this room. And that means that like, I have to be humble enough to, to be willing to be challenged, to be willing to be wrong, to receive, and not to stand up here as like, oh, I'm... But to, but to be a part. So the, in covenant, every covenant we see in Scripture, there's a reciprocity of relationship. Now, there's an old, like... Uh, you know, Asian proverb, I'm not quoting as the gospel, but, but basically what it said is that where, like, where there's no reciprocity, all those relationships will end. I think that's probably true, and I think I could probably prove that in the Scriptures too. That if there's not, if there's not give and take between us, that there's not real covenant that's happening. And there's also like some sacrifice that goes into covenant family, and there's some like longevity factor like, how many of you have had, like, a new friend at some point in your life that was super exciting to be around? Okay, come on. You'll know what I'm talking about. And then, like, you just do enough reps, and then you, and then, you know, like, it, like this is the test. Zane and I have talked about this, because we used to get into, like, arguments and stuff, like, pretty, you know, real arguments. And, yes, Zane always wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can really tell the faithfulness and longevity of friendship once you can be annoyed with a person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I love being around people that are willing to be annoyed with me and still be my friend. Like... <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that great? Like, you don't really know until that happens. Until you make somebody cry and they have to forgive you. <laughs> Brittany, it's easy to make you cry. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so, just in thinking about this family, I've been asking myself the question for Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. Um, what's the spiritual DNA of this family? What is the spiritual DNA of this family? I, uh, I think sometimes when we think about vision... I, sometimes I use we language, I should use I language. Sometimes when I think about vision, 
I think of, and I think this is true for other people too, I think of something that's like out there that we're going to go do, or we're going to go build, we're going to go accomplish, and, you know, I'm not there, and so I've got to get there, you know, and we're gonna, I've got to get everybody to get there, and we've got to go there, this place, <laughs> this place that none of us, we're, we're not at this place, and so we're going to this place that we're not at, and I'm going to get you to go there, and we're going to do this thing, right? And so we're going to conjure up enough emotional excitement to get everybody fired up to go to this place that we are yet, we've yet to go. I guess there, I'm being silly, I guess there's some element of vision that remotely resembles that. But what I really think is clear vision is not just seeing what's out in the future, what's far away, that I've got to go get to, but is reflecting upon what God is already doing. Is reflecting upon what God is already doing. I, uh, I've had a couple of people who've really encouraged me on this. I had a coach that I met with in the last couple of years has really been encouraging Andrew and I to assess what is God doing? What's the gift of your life? I... Max Fincher, I have to. We've had a couple of conversations where I, I might share something, and he'd say something to the effect of, "Like, that doesn't really sound like something God's already doing. Like, what's God already doing?" And so, I've been reflecting upon what is God already doing in this community, and if we if we examine that and go, okay. This, this is a picture of the grace that's on our lives, and we want to lean into that. And, and I want to say this to every person in the room. How many of you believe that God is faithful? How many of you believe that God is the author and finisher of your faith? I'm giving you T-balls. So is it safe to assume that He's already at work in your life? So this is what Deuteronomy 30 tells us. It tells us that He's... The commandment isn't hard. It's not something you've got to go fly into the heavens and get. It's not something you have to cross the ocean to find. It's near you. It's present. That means that God is faithful and He's already deposited in you. He's already spoken to you. He's already working on your behalf in your life right now. You don't have to go somewhere to find it. He's here. And so if we want vision for our lives, all we need is clarity of what, what God is already within us. Amen? I don't need to go out and find the vision or contrive it. I need to see what's within. How many of you have ever seen this, uh, this little kid's book, Christian kid's book, The Three Trees? A lot of people have heard this book. And so, the story of the three trees is one of the trees, when it grew up, it wanted to become a box that treasure and treasure was and gold were, were given to and, and held. And one of the trees, when it grew up, it wanted to be a ship that, would, that great kings would sail on. And, you know, and then the last tree, it wanted to grow really, really tall so that when, when it grew up, that it would be taller than the other trees and it would point to the heavens so that people could worship God. And if you keep going, you find out that one of the trees became 
this feeding trough where animals met, and it was the manger where Jesus sat. And one of the trees became this little fishing boat. And, you know, it was disappointed, but Jesus ended up, you know, on that fishing boat um, with his disciples. And then lastly, that one tree was cut down and thrown into a lumber yard, but eventually was made into the cross. You know the story I'm talking about? And so, like, it's a cool story. We've read, we've read it to our kids. And there's a few things that are obvious about the story. They all had an idea of what they were supposed to be, right? They all became disappointed because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. But what they all got was better and different than what they could have ever imagined, right? And so that, that's, the, that's sort of the moral of the story. But there, was a, there was a fourth thing that's kind of a funny thing that I thought of that was like a lesson from the story is that the, all these trees wanted to do things that, were, that wood could do. Like, if you're a lily, you're not going to grow up and be a fishing boat. Right? And <laughs> maybe you didn't see this, but this is was, this was what was speaking to me. And I think sometimes we get this idea that we could just be anything we want to be in the kingdom. And like, the Bible doesn't tell us that at all. Like, God has given in every person in this room, He has given unique and beautifully crafted gifts and talents and makeups. And, and if we will see what God has already put within us and what there's capacity for, then we can step into fulfillment of what He has for us. Like, maybe you didn't get that from the story, but, but we need to see what, what is key, and I'm saying this, is because I'm going to share a little bit of vision about the church, but we need vision for our own lives. And when I say vision, I'm not talking about a five-year plan to start your business. I'm talking about clarity of who God's made you to be. And, and you can do that by reflecting in prayer and asking Him questions and talking with others and finding out the unique treasures in the way that God has made you. And so vision is not conjuring up some place that we've got to go, but it's, it's seeing how God is at work. And so I'm thinking about this question of what is the spiritual DNA of our family? And this word comes to my mind, the word, this word fullness comes to my mind. And, and I'm like, because so, I'm praying for language, I'm like, God, give me language to articulate this. So this word fullness comes to mind. Now, I have to give, be transparent with you. I like, you know, for a season, I feel like every church in the Western world has some sort of kitschy, like one line thing that like, you know, we're all about X. We're all about Y, you know, like we're all about whatever it is. And like, there's a part of me that's like, ah, I hate that. Like, <laughs> you know, and so like, I understand when some people are like, well, we're just going to love God and love people and just let all the other stuff, you know, I understand that because I just, I don't like that kind of stuff. You know, and even even uh, a lot of times in our staff meetings when we talk about series, like I get I get bogged down in these conversations because I'm just like, oh, I don't 
I don't like marketing speak, right? So let's just let's just let's just go with that. And but I'm thinking about this this word fullness, and I was thinking about the importance of language. Even though like I'm not I don't really love branding stuff and all that. And how many of you know that God uses language to create realities? Like God spoke and creation happened. In, in John 1, 1 through 3, you know, you know, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And, you know, in verse 3 is all, all things He created, He created from the Word. Because the way that God works is that He uses language to create the realities He intends to create. Like, when God, uh, when God divided the people in Babel, what did He do? He took away their language. When God gave us a new covenant in Acts, what did He do? He gave us a new language to, to, uh, to symbolize, more than symbolize, but to embody this covenant. And so, like, language is really important. Actually, they see this in, in uh, anthropology. If you look at cultures that have very simplistic languages, that maybe it's not written, they have very simplistic ways of being. And language and cultures that have very complex languages that are able to articulate lots of things, those cultures are more complex and more intricate. And so, like, language is so connected to culture. There's this tribe, I can't remember where they were from, but I was listening to a TED talk on it. And every time they would greet, they would start with this language. They would say, you know, where are you going? And, like, this is, this is always the opening greeting. Where are you going? I'm going, like, south by southeast, or I'm going north by northwest. You know, they, they would always greet with the direction they were going. Actually, in their language, there was no such thing as right or left. They didn't have language for that. It was just all directional. And, um, and so my wife and I will have arguments about this in the car when we're going somewhere. I'm like, do we go east or south? She's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> left or right. I'm like more directionally wired. And so, um, so anyways, this culture, like every time they would greet, they would say, where are you going? I'm going this way. And they would have like real specific ways to sell, tell exactly. And so they, do the, they did this study of some different people and they asked um, people from you know, English-speaking countries to organize things. And they would always organize them from left to right. Now, they asked people from Hebrew culture to organize things. Well, what do you think they did? They did it from right to left. If you know Hebrew uh, text, it goes from right to left. This particular tribe, when they asked them to organize things, if they were standing, if they were standing to the north, facing the north, they would organize it from left to right. If they were in the south, they would organize things from right to left. And if they were facing, they were facing east to the dawning of the sun, they would organize things from top to bottom. Like literally, the language that they use oriented the consciousness, the way that they way that they orient life. We need we need to understand that language, it is important for us as we read the gospel and as we pray and we talk to God to find language for what He says to us. To be able to speak and to articulate. It's not that we all have to do this equally. It's that we need to know. I'm telling you, we need to know what God is saying with us in language. And so, 
I've been thinking about this word fullness. And I, I've sort of thought, I was like, you know what? Like, I've been looking for language that I thought it describes a, a journey that we've been on. And I thought, you know, if I look at the whole experience of our church, well, like, I think that there has been this desire, and I don't think it's just me, I think it's shared among many people in this room. There has been a desire for fullness in God. And to me, the opposite of fullness isn't emptiness. Maybe you could say that's the opposite of fullness is emptiness. But for me, the opposite of fullness is not emptiness. The opposite of fullness is sort of like, just enough. Or like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if I look at house church, if I look at the miracles that people pursued, I look at all of the dreams and the different things, I think there's many people in this room and in this family that have been on a journey of not necessarily looking for a type of structure of church or a type of theology or whatever, but they're looking for fullness. And so this word just, it just began, because I'm like, fullness is not just a really great prayer time. It's not just, you know, some miracles. It's, it's like, it's more than that. And so I want to give you some pictures to me that represent this word fullness. Alright. How many of you throw it out if you know where this is? Okay. This is Igaza Falls. And it's uh, <laughs> like everybody <laughs> strike out. The Clear Path crew striked out. And um, this is at the this is in like where Brazil and Peru meet. And it's from the Agaza River. All of these, all of these uh, waterfalls together collectively make up the largest waterfall in the world. And when you look at this picture, I think the reason this picture makes me think of fullness is it's like this thing, this river is not just kind of like trickling over. It's like pouring out from every angle. And so when I look at that, I, I think of fullness. Go, go to the next one. Okay. This is a picture of the Scottish Highlands, and you, this wouldn't necessarily resonate with you, but whenever uh, I, was, I was a teenager, I got to go with my family to Scotland. And my brother and I decided to go on this hike up this mountain in the Scottish Highlands. And we just like, it was totally random. We were doing something that day, and we're like, let's go hike up that mountain. So we start running, you know. And then we got to the peak. We're like, oh, we're almost at the top. And then, like, we got to the, you look, and there's, like, a huge peak behind that peak. And you're like, it was like, dun, dun, dun. You know, like, all right, let's keep going. And then we would get to the top of that, and it would just, like, oh, my gosh, another one. And then it was just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then the last little bit, it was, like, I kept pushing my brother to go on. I kept, like, hey, you got to keep going. you got to keep going. And then the last little bit, there was this really kind of dangerous part that you had to climb. And I got to the top of it. Tyler was like, what do you think I should do? I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> and so anyway, he decided to come up and we sat on top of this mountain. We ended up getting to the top of this mountain. And there was this like, cur there was this curve in the rock that, that mist was blowing as wind would hit the, hit the mountain. Wind, mist would drive up in this, it's almost like a half pipe. 
in the mountains. So we're sitting over the edge of this, edge of this cliff, and Tyler, as, a, as an emotional romantic, is playing like Braveheart music on his phone. And, I mean, mist is just flying up into your face. It was just this amazing moment of going, oh my goodness, God, you are so much. You are so extra, God. And, and it's just this moment of, it, of, it, of experiencing fullness. How many of you have ever been somewhere in nature where you were just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, you are amazing. And so, anyway, that's my, that's my uh, little story of that. Go to the next one. Okay, this is, this is the Cliffs of Moher. I threw this on there just because it's the ocean. How many of you have ever looked out at the ocean and just thought, oh my goodness. Man, it's amazing. Go to the next one. Okay. This is my absolute favorite. If you can't see the picture because of that, then look at one of the other. That's, my, that's Eden. And Eden... Um, all of my kids are lovely in all their ways, but Eden is our kid that she just wants the fullness of everything in life. And, you know, if she doesn't like something, it's not that she doesn't like it, she hates it, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, if she loves something, she absolutely loves it, you know? And if you get her focused on something, it is like she will keep doing that thing forever and ever and ever and ever. You come back in 10 years, Eden's still sitting there doing the same thing. And, but this, this to me is when she, we're, we're driving out in the, I think in Yellowstone, and she just opened that window and she was just like, she was just enjoying life. And to me, um, that is fullness. Keep, do we have one more picture? There it is! <laughs> <laughs> notice, notice I did not put up in and out there. I put Whataburger. Because you can come to Whataburger anytime today. If you come there for breakfast, you're going to get a honey butter chicken biscuit, which is this is the blessed Lord's goodness all over it. <laughs> now you, you have to wait in a really long line. There might be two people in line. It'll still take 45 minutes. But nothing fast about Whataburger. But it is... It is beautiful. Um, all right, that's good. Um, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That you have these pictures in your mind of what fullness is. One of the things that we've done as religious communities, as church communities, is that we've robbed, we've robbed God. We, it's like we've made the spiritual life like 1% of 1% of 1% of what it means. Like we, we were at, we were at the, skiing with the church ski trip and we're playing you know like I don't know we there was at some point where you know one of the kids or something threw a snowball and the Lord was speaking to me and he was like I'm not just the God of the prayer time I'm the God of the snowball fight yes like fullness in God is fulfilling all of our purpose. It is being walking with Him in, in, in the secret place. But life and fullness is not measured in the quantity of your prayer hours during a week. Like, life and fullness is measured by to the degree of which that I connect with Him and it transforms every part of my life. Yeah. Like, what God has been um, 
I believe speaking over the last few years is how does, how does our consciousness of His presence expand into every dimension? How does it expand into like my experience of Him in the snowball fight? How does it expand into my coffee meeting with somebody? Not just my really obviously good things, but some of the hard things too. Sometimes we relegate God as only being in the really obviously good and He's also in the suffering. Sometimes we relegate Him to being only in the deep spiritual times, the serious times, and He wants to laugh with us. Like, fullness of God is more than just a prayer time. Amen? And so like, we're going to try it on for size, but I've been thinking about this word fullness as being something that I believe really describes at the heart of what we've been on as, as a, in, our, in our journey as a community. I want to read to you Ephesians 1, 16-23. Do you have that, Tim? Okay, can you pull that up? I'm just going to read it off the screen. This is, this is Paul's prayer. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you and the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. And that His incomparably great power for us who believe, that that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Man, that is God's desire for His bride. That His fullness of Him in Jesus, that He would fill everything in every way. And that is God's desire for our community. That is His desire for your life. That He would fill everything in every way. Amen? And so, what are some... This is, I don't know why I wanted to ask this question, but I'm throwing it out there. What are the potential mistakes that you can have of having that go along with having a vision of fullness? I'm going to tell you one right out of the gate. Is disappointment. Like, you can live your whole life sort of asleep and like, I'm just, you know, I'm okay with what is, it's fine. As soon as you come alive to the fact that, that you want that you're, there's a craving in your soul for fullness in God. And I'm not just talking about it in a prayer time, but I'm talking about everywhere. Like, as you go down that path, you're going to experience disappointment. You're going to be like one of the three trees that's like, all right, I've prayed the prayer as best as I know how, limited, you know, in my ignorance and all whatever. I, this is what I want to be, God. And as you go down, it's like, oh, this is not what it thought it was. No, you have two options. Because literally, every person who starts crying out for fullness is going to experience disappointment. 
literally every single one is going to experience disappointment. So you have two options. You can just stay asleep and not have, and shut off that longing in your soul that's like, man, I want that. I want to be like Eden, you know, wind in the hair thing. <laughs> you can shut you can shut that off and just be like, all right, I'll just whatever. Or you can learn, or you can learn to adapt. You can learn to walk with God and process your pain. Like every endeavor that you do with Him doesn't have to be this like, you know, all chips in, I'm, I'm out of chips if, if this doesn't work out. That's what we do. We, we have this perception that like, if this thing doesn't happen that I think He said, then it's all over. And we get stuck. You know what I'm talking about? So if you become awake to fullness, what's on, the, what's on the other side of that awakening is going to be some disappointment. You don't get that journey without the disappointment. Period. You can be a cynic and sort of nihilistic and sort of just like, ah, whatever. Or you can be prepared to find failure, weakness, suffering, brokenness, disappointment. Because it's part of the journey. It's not because God is not good. It's because that we're kind of dumb sometimes. We're like the tree that's like, we want to be this amazing ship. We don't realize that God's crafting us for something we don't fully understand. Amen? Uh, you, it can be like, not. another thing can be not being content, which is a little bit different. It's like, if you're wanting fullness, it's like you can always live in this, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You know what I'm talking about? There has been a season as a pastor where I, where I felt that. And that's what entered me into this like burden thing. It's like, well, what, what is is not enough. At some point, we have to become these people who are completely indwelled with peace. That the presence of peace is the embodiment of our in our souls. That as we pursue God for the greater things, we can also say, "Thank you, God. What I have is enough." Amen. Um, I want to reflect on a few years ago. Just one moment, and then I'm going to talk about this year. There's no real big surprises. Relieve your relieve any nervousness. Um, <laughs> reflect on a few years ago. When we, when we made the shift that we, that we made to being a type of house church community, um, one of the things that we had, and I genuinely believe that all these steps have been in a journey of going, God, we want fullness. Does this make sense? Can you see this reflecting back with me? Like, where you, you look at all the different iterations and you can go, well, we just, whatever the, the good stuff is. I want the good stuff, right? Like we used to love going to, Andrew and I used to love going to Chewy's. How many of you, like we haven't gone, I feel like it's not as good as it used to be. But like 15 years ago, we loved going to Chewy's. And they had the creamy jalapeno ranch dip that you only knew, that they didn't bring to your table. You had to know to order it. And like, man, I wanted the creamy jalapeno ranch dip in the kingdom kind of thing. Like I'm, I want to ask for the things 
that you don't get unless you ask for them. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I, th- I think that along the way, that's been the, that's been the cry. That's been the real hunger. Now, wh- what did we do a few years ago? Well, a few years ago, we cast a vision of doing house church community, and I'm going to reflect back to you what I said. It, it, we were going to try to meet once a week in homes. We were going to try to have some response, like some gospel initiative once a week. We were going to try to pray once a week, and we were also going to gather corporately once a week. Four, four commitments a week. That lasted about... No weeks. <laughs> that lasted about zero weeks. There's this little idealist in me that's like, this is what we're going to do because this is what this is for us. And you know what we attempted to do? We attempted to replace all of the Christian life in our church structure. You can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. One of the most, one of the, biggest things that God gave, gave me personally as a point of wisdom this last year as a pastor is that our job is not to manufacture the Christian life for people. Our job is to provoke and empower people to fullness in Him. Our job is as a covenant family, what does covenant mean? Covenant means that you take responsibility and I take responsibility. It doesn't mean that I engineer it all. <laughs> it means you take responsibility and I take responsibility. And so one of the things that we've taught, we talked about is that everything we want to do going forward, we want these things to be things that are provoking us to fullness, not, not fulfilling an obligation for us. So like, if you're a part of house church, house church is, is a, a reflective, it's a provoker of what it looks like to be in community. It does not replace God's call for you to be in community. You could show up to every single thing that we do and be no further in your journey towards fullness. Are you with me? Like that does not... The point is that in our, in our limited revelation, our, in our ignorance, in all of our... We, we pull together the things that we believe will empower us best as we can to, to step into fullness in our own lives. Amen? But, but here's, the, here's the, the problem. So last year, we, we stopped the house churches that were meeting because my sense was that many people were leading out of obligation. And like, like I'm the one who asked people to leave. Asked people to not leave, lead. <laughs> I didn't ask nobody to leave. <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment, you know. But <laughs> you sir gotta go. <laughs> Thought it before. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I asked people to lead, and so I thought, God, it's incumbent upon me to say, "Hey, it's okay. Like, take a break." And Part of what we're wanting to do this year is put in rhythms and, and, and a way of doing these things in a way that it, the people aren't left burnt out, the people aren't obligated, but they feel called to this. But the, the flip side of this is a, is a problem too. There's a mindset that I feel like is especially true in, in Christian culture right now 
Where, like, interesting thing is, atheism, more than anything else, is on the statistical decline. Like, atheism is on the statistical Everybody is spiritual now. The, the process of everybody is spiritual, though, has led people to this idea that, like, we don't need church. We can just follow Jesus wherever we're at. It's not true. I don't, know, I don't have uh, time to argue the whole point tonight, but it's not true. And what happens whenever we in church communities choose to have this, I'm going to do, do it, the things and the timing of things when it makes sense for me and when it's best for me, is we miss the point entirely. Covenant means that you're not here primarily to receive. It means that you're here to give. Like if one of my family is not at the table, like we miss out on family. Part of us growing as family means that I'm not making every decision based on what's best for me. I'm making decisions based on, yes, what's best for God and me, but also what's best for, for like the community around me. Like, there are plenty of times that I don't want to show up. Oh my gosh, you can't say that. You're supposed to be excited about this. There are plenty of times that I don't want to show up. And maybe some of those times it would be better for the community if I didn't. But, <laughs> but most of the time, it's not the case. Most of the time, I, I, the people do this thing where they call it legalism, but they're excusing themselves of selfishness. Maybe a better word is self to, self, being self-absorbed. The spiritual journey is not about your single solitary self. It is the Our Father who art in heaven. Amen. And so, to remove myself means I'm not just... It, it's not just that I'm robbing myself, it's that I'm robbing you like this is a gift to me this is a gift to each of us that's what it means to be covenant family it means that even if i'm annoyed at the person i'm at the table amen no more references on being annoyed <laughs> okay so long story short we're still about the same things as a family. That's what I'm saying. We, I'm going to talk to you about this year's schedule and what house church is going to look like for just a few moments. But I wanted us to get this idea that the journey we are on is not about house church. It's not about any one particular thing. It is about a journey of experiencing God's fullness. Could we? Is that something that everybody can say, yeah, I, that makes sense to me? So... So, um, before I talk about house church, this Wednesday, we are going to be for six weeks starting a, it's going to last for six weeks, we are starting prayer time at our house, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We're going to be praying. We'll close it down at 8, and we, <laughs> because we have, you know, we've got kids, if it's, if the Lord's doing something, we're always open to linger, but but the goal is that we would pray for an hour on Wednesday nights. We're going to be praying into what fullness looks like for us as a church community, what it looks like for us as individuals. 
And I, it's going to be somewhat like structured time in the sense of like we're going to come with something on our hearts to pray into. It, we may you know, shift from that, but my point is we're not going to just turn on music and say, all right, we're praying. You know, we're going to come and pray into some specific things. And so like, I, I want to invite you guys to be a part of that. Simultaneously with that, we are going to be starting a series. Do you have the graphic up here? No, that's the not that one. The series graphic. We're going to be starting a series called Thin Place. Oh, look at this. A, a place in time where the space between heaven and earth grows thin and it's easy to encounter the sacred. So that was Webster's Dictionary. In, in the Celtic world, um, there was this uh, expression of church that where missionaries had gone out from the Catholic Church and they had gone to the Celtic world, which was much more rural and more farming and all this. And, and so these missionaries had gone, but they didn't have like all this connection with the Vatican. And so what happened was there was this very organic expression of Christianity that happened for a few centuries where there's, if, if you ever want to look it up, there's all sorts of testimonies of miracles, this radical advancing of the gospel between about the 5th to 8th century. And so you can, you can read about it. Um, and really, really cool. Like their prayers were much less like high churchy prayers and they were like prayers of the milkmaid. You know, prayers of the people washing dishes. It was very earthy, if you will. And, and so, but one of the things that they had was they had this theology of the idea of thin places. And these thin places are the place where like the veil of heaven and earth was just like, was like paper thin. And for, and for them, a lot of that was in nature, is these places where they would encounter God. And, and I love the idea of that. I mean, I've, I've, I've stood in places where I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm saying before you. But the way we're approaching this series is that we want our lives to be a thin place. Everywhere we go. We want to be that place where people are encountering the, the exchange of heaven and earth. People are encountering the like they're encountering this opportunity to experience the presence of God, and so we're going to talk about the rhythms, the postures, um, and all of these things that will enable us to become thin places everywhere we go. That's that's the goal in fullness. Is that I will is that I can engage is that I can engage with God not just in the secret place but in the snowball flight. Amen. Okay. Last thing uh, to cover is house church. Um, we are going to be starting house church back. Um, it'll be connected. To, we're calling this whole, everything that we're doing in our church this time, we're calling the return. And it, start, it coincides with Lent. And so on February, let me look at my dates here. February 26th, we have Ash Wednesday. And on Ash Wednesday, we will gather here in prayer and we will have a time of like sort of repentance and consecration and setting our, our heart and our attention on the Lord. And then over the next you know, coming weeks, we will focus in on the key stories that, Je that, you know, that are about Jesus' life up to the death and resurrection. And so the then return will also follow after Easter and we will go 
into, there's the same amount of time between Ash Wednesday to Easter as there is between Easter to Pentecost Sunday. So are you processing with me? And so that's a total of three months. So after Easter, we will then tell the stories of Acts, which are God's founding of the church, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and His people going out you know, on account of the Gospel. And so what we felt like we were supposed to do was there's a lot of times in the church there's so much application, like, let me figure out how to figure out this thing in your life, whether it's family or finances or whatever. What we felt like God was telling us to do was to take people back to the essence of the story of our faith. And so for three months, it's not like, how do you do better in relationships? All of that stuff will happen in the process of it. But it's about telling the most key foundational stories to our faith. And I feel like we underestimate this as a culture. It's not all about figuring everything out, but it's about reminding ourselves of what's truly sacred and beautiful. And so, we are going to connect house church to that for three months. And so, it will be a more structured time than what was before. I mean, it's still going to be meal and family. It's going to feel organic. But I'm connecting the discussions of all those week back to the the progression of that. So like we'll look at the lectionary for six weeks during Lent. And if the lectionary is talking about the wilderness, like we're going to be talking about the wilderness. Does this make sense? And so for, for three months, we will journey through this in our kids' ministry, in our church, in our house church. We will be in unison. And we are going to be having, last year we had four house churches and as people have, as some people have left and some people have changed directions, we, we recognize like, that we want to concentrate our energy and efforts and be in community together. So we're going to have, we're going to downsize and we're going to have two house churches. We're going to have one house church that's going to be started, at least, at Andrew and I's house in the city. And then we will have one house church that's going to be started at Zane and Tiffany's house in the suburbs. And so the goal is not just for Andrew and I to lead or Zay and Tiffany to lead. We are going to be asking other people to lead in that, in that process. So it's not about us leading the thing. It's just about finding some locational focal points that our community represents. And one of the, one of the problems that we found over the last few years was that when we asked people to do unending, like house church in an unending fashion, is that over time, a lot of people wore out from that because not everybody's called as a leader to sustain something unendingly or permanently. Are you with me? And so the way that we're thinking about it now is that along the way, there may be some of you or some people that are yet here that will feel called to start house churches that have a more of a permanence to them. And we're open to that but we also are going to look for these rhythmic seasons where we can have a focused time where we, know, where we know kind of, not necessarily what to expect, but we know the direction that we're going. And hopefully it makes it easier for you to know what you might be inviting somebody to. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's sort of the, the biggest tweak is just that we will have that shift into the sort of seasonal approach to house church. Um, 
I'm not putting you on the spot with this, but would you mind also just 30 seconds talking about the the refugee thing as well? Okay. Um, so, man, my voice is worse than I thought. <clears throat> um, so, in our house churches, uh, and this has actually led to partially being the reason that we split only into two groups, is so we'd have a, a bigger group for helping with these projects. Um, we want to uh, sponsor, um, probably not the exact word, but aid um, refugee families, partnering with uh, Refugee Services of Texas. I've talked with them quite a bit. Um, I've talked to a few of you about this. I will clarify, this is not a political thing. It's not a political statement. It's just this, this particular group um, will most likely be uh, working with families who are coming in from the Middle East fleeing some kind of dangerous situations where they literally have to get out of their country. Um, and the, the um, organization that we're going to be working with, they actually vet these people over like a seven-year process before they get here. It's insane. Like, this is not like, uh, this isn't like, oh, these people filled out a few forms and, and, and got to come. They've been going through quite a really long, difficult process as a family uh, to be able to get to safety and somewhere where their family can prosper. So a lot of them are coming over here, and um, they, don't, they don't know until right before they come. So it's just like, okay, we finally got you clearance. You can go. And so they, um, they come here, and the process that we're able to be a part of is that we will, in advance, collect, say, some furniture to furnish an apartment. And the, uh, I, I guess it's, it's government-funded um, that they will, for the first month these people are here, go ahead and fund an apartment for them. So we'll collect furniture, and whenever they say, hey, we, we've got this family, they're coming, then we can actually have a few of the people from, from one of our house churches go to the airport, meet the family, um, bring them back to their apartment. They don't really know anything that's going on, but we've furnished it for them. We've cooked them a good meal. Um, and actually, like, it's really cool. There, there's so many details I can't talk about in a short period of time. But, I mean, they give you a menu for each country that these people might be coming from and tell you, like, what would be kind of you to cook for them, what groceries it might be kind of you to, to get them. And then along the way, there'll be opportunities for people to be you know, just a little bit involved if that's all the time and effort that you have available or more involved if you want to be someone who, uh, say, takes someone, helps them get a driver's license or the identifications they're going to need, helps them figure out how to navigate kind of the society, the culture, find a job. Um, these are things that you'll be, uh, there'll be opportunities for some people to do if you want to press in and do more. But for a long time, we've been looking for an outreach to do where our people could uh, be involved in doing something meaningful in whatever amount that you have available and is reasonable for you and your family. And this is a really good opportunity for that, that we have people that are uh, really in need, could really use your help, and to whatever degree, um, even, even if you just want to offer your friendship, I mean, they don't know anyone, you know? I mean, some of them are just starting to learn English, right? Because they're just moving here. So, um, so all the situations are a little bit different, and we don't know exactly what they'll look like before we get there. But the idea will be that, that the Dallas House Church will kind of adopt a family that's coming in and help them as a group, and that the 
uh, that the suburbs house church will do the same thing and that to whatever degree you're able to give your time, then it will be um, appreciated. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah, and the, the process is we typically adopt the family for two months. Is that right? So we still want to carry on. When we started this a few years ago, we had the idea of having something, some response to the gospel. We feel like that's... But one of the things that we tried to do was we tried to overreach in what we were doing. And so this gives, even kids, it gives everybody an opportunity to participate in varying degrees of commitment. Does that make sense? And so it's the best thing we could find um, and that just we felt like the Holy Spirit leader. So Zane has gone through the training, and um, so yeah. Let me let me review the schedule. I'm going to be wrapping up here, but let me let me review the schedule details to you. Oh, okay, our slides a little bit. Oh, that one is off. But, okay, so prayer starting this Wednesday. Everybody say this Wednesday. We're going to pray six weeks. No house church. Nothing happening. Um, for the next six weeks on that front, but we will be in our home praying. We will also start the Thin Place Sermon series this next Sunday night, and then the return is the three months long that we will start February 20, 26th, and that will take us through uh, with House Church. That will, that will guide our time during that space, and so we want you to be able to see that. Um, we can post that on Facebook. I saw a few people taking a picture of you. Welcome to take a picture of it. Um, but that is, that's what's up there. Anyway. <laughs> letting it sit up here for a few seconds. All right. You can pull it down. Um, we'd really like you to come and pray with us this Wednesday night. I will say that. And what we're going to do during Thin Place is that we're going to continue talking about the vision, spiritual DNA of our church and family as we go um, throughout this time. And, um, but I, I want to bring you to just kind of end on what I just really prophetically believe is for our church. And years ago, um, sorry, I'm looking up a scripture while I'm sitting here because I don't have my Bible in front of me. Years ago, there. Uh, how many of you? I've I've told you my my dad. I'll say this again. My dad owned the business next door, and um, and last year he sold it. Actually, December thirty first, he retired, and um, so that business has been in my family for thirty one, thirty two years, and was an ending point as a season for our family. And um, many, many, many years ago. My dad, I've told this story before, my dad was going to go switch. He was in the technology, computer industry. He was going to go into a different industry. And there was this man by the name of Dick Mills. And Dick Mills was a very prophetic guy. He would prophesy. He would give people scriptures like back in the 80s. And there are some people who say they're prophetic. And then there's people who are really, really, really prophetic. And so Dick Mills gave my parents this word. And essentially what the word was, was... Um, was you're not supposed to leave the technology industry. God's going to make you independent. You're going to start a business. He's going to make you independently wealthy, and at the end of your life, you'll be in ministry. And so literally, my parents were going to take a different job 
they didn't go down that path. They ended up starting this company as a result of that. It dramatically impacted our family. And so when I was in my early mid-20s, I reached out to Dick Mills. And I said to him, I said, listen, you gave this word to my family um, you know, 25 years ago, and it really impacted their life. Will you, will you share something with me? And he was like 93, you know, on Facebook, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> he sent back like that night. And, um, and actually, he passed away that same year, I think. And um, he sent me back, hey, just a couple of few scriptures. He sent me back, uh, hey, you know, God's got you as part of your plans. But he sent me back Job 8.7, Ecclesiastes 7.8, and Psalm 37.37. I won't read the last one to you, but I just want to, I'm being vulnerable and transparent. I don't share this very often. But he, but he sent me Job 8.7, it says this, it says, your beginnings will seem humble, but your, pro- your future will be prosperous. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says this, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. The patience better than pride. And actually, Psalm 37.37 says, you know, you know, the man... Uh, Mark the man of peace, for basically his ways will be good. What I knew from this word was, this is just me talking, being transparent. What I knew from this word for me personally was that God was going to take me through a significant period of time where whatever I was doing would feel small and insignificant. But, but his word to me was, be patient. I'm going to use you. So far, first part's proven to be true. <laughs> Feels like sometimes. But there is so many words over this this church and over individuals in this church. When we choose to be in covenant with each other, we choose to believe in everything that God has for each other. Like sometimes I, I'm so thankful. I'm just like, man, I'm thankful people still show up. And I want you to know that you being on this journey, it, it's part of what makes me continue to say that, that word is still at work in my life. That word is still at work for our church. How many of you have had words, things God's spoken to you that matter to you? At, the, uh, at our church key trip, Josh had this prayer that he wanted to pray that I thought was very profound for our year. And so I'm finishing with this. He, he, had, this, uh, he had this sort of picture of Ezekiel 37 where Ezekiel prophesies into dry bones and they become flesh and mighty army. And... Um, and he said, I feel like we're supposed to do this for each other. Because God doesn't breathe on the bones. Actually, Ezekiel speaks to the bones. Ezekiel prophesies over the bones. And I believe this is a year where God is calling us to prophesy over the fullness of God in each other. 
He doesn't want us just to believe for my thing, our thing. He wants us to believe in their thing. Like, let me link my faith with, with what's on your heart. And that's what we can be. You know what we can be as a community that is unique? We can be a, a community that is a beacon of hope that there's more than just getting by. We can be a community that there's a beacon of hope that there's a fullness to be had in Him. And that it's different for every person. It doesn't look like every tree is going to be cut down and used for something different. But the one thing we can do is agree to come together and believe for fullness. And that's what, that's what I, didn't, I didn't want to figure out something we got to build or go do or get to that doesn't really matter. I want to believe for every person's Godfulness in this room. And you, you have done that with me. Amen? So that's going to set the pace of our year, this pace of our prayer, the way that we gather in house church, the way that we gather everything we do. I want it to be about releasing fullness of God in each other. If you can stand with me, I'd just like you to pray into this. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. I know I've talked longer than usual. I appreciate your patience. Sometimes I can't say all that I need to say in 20 minutes. Can we just, can we just uh, open our hands in prayer and just pray this prayer? God, would you, get, would you give us fullness? Once your fullness in every part of life. We don't just want it for ourselves, we want it for our neighbor. Lord, I just pray um, that as we prayed earlier, that you would strip away disappointment. I pray that you would strip away cynicism. God, I pray that You would soften our hearts. And God, we ask You that You would move in fullness in us. That we would be content in what You've given, but that we would be hungering for greater things, God. God, we would be content and at peace, but we would be hungering. And Lord, I pray that just a fresh wind of the Spirit would light fires in our hearts tonight to continue in the, in the patient journey that we have before you. God, bond us together as a community in pursuing this together. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Um, we're going to do communion. Let's make it quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I do want to say though that so I met Jordan's grandfather I've met him a couple times but I went to pick Jordan up yesterday from his grandfather's house and he was telling me how every Thanksgiving his grandfather will like sort of like go through this this thing of thanking God for his family and telling his family that he's thankful for all God's done and, and thankful for each one of them and, 
and he'll, he'll be crying as he does this. And I saw glimpses of that in you tonight. And I'm betting that every Vision Sunday from now on is going to have some of that in it. And maybe even more and more as the years go by. Um, let's start off just, just uh, going to get the elements and then I'll read when you're all back at your seats. Colossians 2.6 says, So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Skipping down to verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. A couple of years ago, God gave me this image. I, I sort of had this this run of three days. How many of you have ever had that, where it's like a, a really good three days, right? Okay, not just me, good. And I'd had this run of three days that was really good, and I was like loving on everybody, praying for everybody, and it just felt like the kingdom was flowing. And I was like, okay, God, what am I doing different? Because... This is probably going to end because I have these ups and then I experience these downs. And What can I do differently? And I felt like he said, what you're experiencing is the overflow. And what I realized is I had been like having these really good mornings of devotional time, but then it didn't stop for me then. Like on the way to work, I was just like talking to God. And then like, I would have some downtime and I would just talk to God and I would reflect on God's love. And and what I realized was that I wasn't filling up to pour out. Like stuff was just overflowing. So if you were to put a cup right here and you had this water hose, you could fill that cup and you could say, okay, turn it off. And now let me go pour this out. Or you could just leave it on and that cup will overflow and that water will soak this rug and eventually soak your, your shoes. Like that's the kind of fullness that God has for us. And I think that one key is recognizing this right here. That his love was poured out for us on the cross. To the point where he says, forgive them, Father, because they don't even know what they're doing. His body was broken so ours can be whole and his blood was poured out so that his lifeblood can flow through us giving kingdom life to us and to those around us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for your life lived and given for us. Thank you that you put it into something practical that we can do to remind us of your life lived. Something that we can eat and drink so that we can have a symbol of your life entering our lives. And because we know a little bit about science, we can, we can sort of think of your life giving energy to our lives. Enabling us to accomplish all that you have for us. pray that this would be something that we 
continue to chew on, if you will, pass this moment into our, into our week, that your life flowing through us energizes us to accomplish all that your kingdom has purposed, all that you've purposed for us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the elements. do want to just brag on your pastor for a second. The reason I was picking up Jordan yesterday, he's been letting us use, they've been, Jordan and Andrea have been letting us use one of their cars. And uh, it's cool because at first Jordan's parents had this extra car and so they used the extra car and let us use one of their cars. Well then, by no fault of their own, um, that car was destroyed. Not technically, but according to the insurance companies. Yeah. And they're down to one car. But Jordan's dad, and there's a situation where Jordan was able to use, uh, sorry, Jordan's grandfather's truck for, for a while and hopefully again soon. Um, but he called me and said, he texted me and said, can you pick me up from my grandfather's? I'm dropping off our car. So I drove his car to pick him up. And I drove him in his car and dropped him off. You have one car at home. And I was just struck with this idea that sometimes fullness is lived out of lack. Right? Like, you may feel like there's some nights where you don't have it together. And so... Where would I go tonight? There's nothing I have to offer. But like sometimes God's fullness is shown through giving out of our lack. And I just, I just wanted you guys to know that like, we are, actually Jordan, I just want you and Andrea to know that we all recognize um, that you guys are amazing people. And that story probably doesn't surprise anyone in here. And um, we just really appreciate you guys. And Zane and Tiffany, you guys, the way that you live out your worship, seeing it at that wedding was beautiful. And tonight was amazing. And I just thank you that you're not one day a week worshipers because I've been around those people. And sometimes it's amazing, but you can tell um, that you guys are worshipers every day. And so... I'm just so thankful to be a part of this community, and that's really all that I wanted to say. That's why I took Uber to church tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough praying's been prayed. Lord, bless every person in this place. Let them walk with you as they go. Let them experience your fullness in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys.